0: Happy Wednesday! You're listening to Mama Murdered a Podcast. I'm your host, A.B. This week on Mama Murdered a Podcast, we'll be covering the case of Chris Watts. Chris Watts is the absolute worst kind of murderer. Chris Watts is a family annihilator. And by definition, a family annihilator is described as an individual who murders their children, their own relatives, but mainly their spouses and children in most cases. Chris murdered his pregnant wife, and his three- and four-year-old daughters, all for the sake of starting a new life with a new mistress. And since we're all here for one thing and one thing only, let's get it. And before I forget to mention it, Chris's wife, Shanann, worked online and mainly through her social media accounts. So, most of her days are documented on live videos or short video clips that were uploaded for people to watch. So, a lot of the first-hand accounts that I'll be referring to in this episode came directly from Shanann's own mouth which is something that we don't get often, so when we do, we like to use it. So let's get it. Christopher Lee Watts was born on May 16, 1985, in Fayetteville, North Carolina. His parents are Cindy and Ronnie Watts, and Ronnie worked at a Ford dealership while Cindy worked as a secretary. And with Chris's dad Ronnie working at a Ford dealership, that's probably where Chris's love for cars originated. Chris's parents said that Chris mostly took after his dad as far as being more on the shy, quiet type, and that Chris's older sister, Jamie, took after their mom being more lively, social, and outgoing. Chris and his dad, Ronnie, bonded over their love of cars, and even as a small kid and up into adulthood, Chris had a dream of working for NASCAR. Chris would even later say that he and his dad were basically just best friends, and Chris would later go on to study auto mechanics in high school. Chris graduated from Pine Forest High School in 2003, and his auto mechanics teacher, Joe Judy, said that if there was ever a student that he thought could make it in the NASCAR industry, that he would have bet his money it would be Chris. His auto mechanics teacher, Joe Judy, also said that he just knew that he would read about Chris in the papers one day, and he assumed that it would be for being one of the greatest crew chiefs in the NASCAR industry. Little did he know that he would most definitely read about Chris in the papers one day, but that it would have nothing to do with his NASCAR career, that it would be because Chris actually murdered his wife, who was pregnant, with their unborn son and their two daughters. So nowhere close to being NASCAR or mechanical-related whatsoever. And Chris even did so well in auto mechanics that he was even approved for a $1,000 scholarship to the NASCAR Technical Institute School located in Mooresville, North Carolina. Chris spent most of his time studying, and he stayed pretty much to himself. He shared an apartment with another guy that went to the NASCAR Tech School and the two roomed together in an apartment in Charlotte, North Carolina. Chris went on to graduate from the NASCAR Tech Institute with honors in 2006, and even though his dream was to work for NASCAR, he ended up getting a job at the Ford dealership instead, and he was making a pretty decent living. But working for the Ford dealership was likely not going to help launch his dream of working for NASCAR, but it was a job, so he didn't complain which we'll later learn is kind of Chris's thing. He doesn't like something, but he doesn't say anything about it, which never turns out well. Chris likely hoped that maybe with some experience at the Ford dealership that he would later be able to achieve his dream of working for NASCAR. But for now, Chris was not very into girls, and he didn't even really bother with relationships at all. He had just recently suffered a bad breakup. An ex-girlfriend had used Chris as a rebound for her divorce, and she ran off and dumped him like a hot potato for another man. So, Chris held off on the dating game for a while. That was until one day when Chris's cousin suggested that he send a Facebook friend request to a coworker of his, a woman by the name of Shanann Ruschek. And it actually took him a while to finally build up the nerve to send this friend request, but he finally did pull the trigger, and he sent the request on Facebook. This request would sit for months in Shanann's request section without response before Shanann would finally accept it. Shanann was beautiful, successful, and a little broken, just like most of us. She was born Shanann Catherine Ruschek to Sandra and Frank Ruschek, and she was born on January 10th in 1984 in New Jersey. Shanann was one of those kids that was always sick and who was at the doctor's office as much as she was at home. She even had migraines as a kid, which I thought was so crazy because most kids don't even know what a headache is, much less have to experience a migraine. Her parents took her to every kind of doctor imaginable, and Shanann and her brother Frankie were extremely close. He was kind of like her protector at school and in life. Even as the siblings got older, after Shanann didn't need protecting anymore, Frankie was still always there. They were always an extremely close family. Frank and Sandra moved the family to Aberdeen, North Carolina in 1999 for work. Shanann's mom, Sandra, worked in the cosmetology field, and she had dreams of opening up her own salon one day. Shanann's dad, Frank, started his own business in home improvement, and life was good. At a high school in Aberdeen where Shanann attended, she would find her love of theater and finally come out of her shy and reserved shell. Shanann's drama teacher, Matt Francis, acted as Shanann's kind of personal Dr. Phil, and he changed the way that she viewed life forever. This teacher helped Shanann through the hell that we all call high school, and she was open enough and comfortable enough with him that she would tell him anything that was going on in her home life, anything that was bothering her, and even things that she was excited about. He says that Shanann finally found something that she loved and something that she was passionate about, and that theater was where she excelled. She did amazing things with the backup stage props and setting the stage up for the plays and theater. Shanann would go on to make a group of friends that she would likely have never met before if she hadn't have come out of her shell and found herself during theater. Before drama class and theater, Shanann was insecure and didn't have very many friends. Her teacher, Matt, said that he believes that once Shanann realized that this group of people cared about her and that they were into the same things that she was into, that that's when she started to thrive. It's also claimed that the drama teacher, Matt, did try to get counseling from a professional for Shanann, but that she would always just come back to him, probably because she trusted him. When this teacher, Matt, left the job towards the end of her high school years, Shanann thanked him for being like a second father to her throughout her high school experience. And a friend from school would later say that Shanann was always the mom of the group, no matter who she was around. She was a natural caretaker, even in high school. Shanann worked at a local pizzeria after school, and she started dating a man by the name of Leonard King in her high school senior year. Shanann dreamed of starting a family and a life, even at an early age, and she and Leonard were engaged to be married by the time that she graduated high school. Shanann and Leonard got married right after she finished high school. Leonard joined the army to help pay to get him through law school, and Shanann started college. And Leonard says that he and Shanann had both taken out pretty big life insurance policies on each other which is a pretty normal thing for couples to do that are either planning to get married or couples that are already married. Shanann's ex-husband Leonard later said that the life insurance policies that she had gotten when they were married were worth anywhere from $200,000 to $500,000, and that's not including the other two life insurance policies that she had taken out on herself years later. Her ex-husband Leonard later says that after the two divorced that he just kind of assumed that Shanann had changed the beneficiary of her life insurance policies after they split which would be a normal thing to do, and that he really didn't think anything else about it after they divorced. Shanann would end up dropping out of college, after which she would get a job selling cell phones and pagers in 2006, and she got a promotion to manager of the cell phone store where she was working. And Shanann's boss must have really liked her because later she would become the bookkeeper for this same boss at a new business that he started. So she went from selling cell phones and pagers to being a bookkeeper for her new boss's business called The Dirty South love that name. Shanann and her husband Leonard would go on to divorce in 2007 and after her divorce, Shanann moved back to Charlotte, North Carolina. But Shanann would later say that this divorce between herself and Leonard just completely broke her and that she had to start over with everything including finances. But apparently she did the damn thing though because in 2009, November 30th, Shanann signed a $309,000 mortgage and Shanann later says in a vlog on her social media accounts, quote, My goal was to buy a house. My family doesn't come for money, and we always had to work for what we had. Which, same, I felt that. And Shanann had a goal that she wanted to buy a house to be able to resell later on in life. So, that was the goal that she had in mind. Shanann got the loan and built her first house in Charlotte, North Carolina, and she built her first house off of Lake Wiley and I am originally from North Carolina, right around Charlotte, and I'm here to tell you that Lake Wiley is a place where only people with hella money live. I've even heard Shanann's house on Lake Wiley be referred to as a brick mansion just because it was so big. The house that Shanann built on Lake Wiley was a massive 4,000 square foot, four bedroom, four bathroom home, and it was absolutely gorgeous. Shanann later says that building this house was one of her biggest accomplishments, especially since she was only 25 years old when she did it, and she did it all by herself. Unfortunately, though, right after Shanann moved into this big, beautiful house, she started getting abnormally sick. She felt like she had the flu all of the time. She was losing unhealthy amounts of weight, and her hair was just starting to fall out. When Shanann finally made an appointment with a doctor, she was diagnosed with lupus. Lupus is an autoimmune disease caused when the immune system attacks its own tissues, according to lupus.org. But this would explain why she was so sickly, even as a small child. Shanann got multiple second opinions and third opinions from other doctors who all said the same thing. All of the doctors that saw all of this agreed on one thing, that she did in fact have lupus. But not only that, they also informed her that she had fibromyalgia. These diseases combined caused Shanann to have to quit her job and this was a job that she had had for nine years before this diagnosis. Shanann was told right around the time that she was diagnosed with lupus and fibromyalgia that she would likely not be able to have kids, that her health would likely complicate things if she were to try to get pregnant. And it was in late 2010 when Shanann finally saw the Facebook friend request and a message on her computer from a man named... Chris Watt. Both Shanann and Chris were living in North Carolina at the time. Shanann was originally from Aberdeen, North Carolina and Chris was originally from Spring Lake, North Carolina and they both had somehow managed to find themselves pretty close to each other at the same time back home in 2010. Shanann says that she just kind of figured like what the hell why not accept it because she figured that the two would never actually meet in person but as luck would have it Chris and Shanann would actually meet in person just two weeks after she decided to accept the friend request and responded to his message. People that knew Shanann and knew how she and Chris met said that on their first date, Shanann was not very impressed with Chris. He was basically dressed in a very unimpressive way. Let's just say he wasn't dressed to impress. The two went to the epicenter in Charlotte, where they ate a fancy dinner together, drank some fancy drinks, and that during the date, the two watched a overpriced movie because it's Charlotte. Shanann says that Chris was dressed in a t-shirt with camo shorts and a pair of DC shoes. And of course, Shanann had been dressed to the nines because, duh, it's a first date. Chris said that during this first date, that he was too nervous to even eat, and that Shanann was just chowing down. Not worried at all about this being their first date, which I love. Shanann even talked about the way that Chris was unimpressively dressed on their first date to other people, but it must not have bothered her bad enough because she ended up on a second date with him, and eventually Chris worked up the nerve to ask her out again, and the two went to a Kid Rock concert, which sounds like an amazing date night. Shanann must have made Chris super nervous because on their first date, Chris hadn't been able to eat, and on their second date, he was so nervous that he actually left his ID at home, and the two had to turn around to go back and get it. They had a good night at this concert, and the third date was shortly after this concert. And on their third date, they took a day trip to Myrtle Beach, and after the heat of the trip and the exhaustion of the travel in general, Shanann had an awful migraine, and it was probably associated with her lupus condition. Shanann herself has said that Chris let her sleep on his lap for the entire three-and-a-half-hour ride back home, that he rubbed her head gently, and he just let her be, and he even tried not to move so that he wouldn't disturb her even though he was quite literally trying not to piss on himself during the drive back home. But instead of stopping for a bathroom break and risking waking her up, he sat there. He let her sleep, and he tried not to think about the fact that he had been holding it for hours. (laughs) I just don't see how you get from this kind of perfection to murder, but somehow he did. Shanann later says that on this trip back home from Myrtle Beach, when Chris made sure to let her sleep off the migraine, that this is when she knew that he was the one. But she also says that when the two met each other that she was in a really dark place in her life. She had already been married and divorced and felt like she was struggling to get her life back on track to where she wanted to be. Shanann had started back working part-time at the Dirty South and she had taken an interest in photography. She would do photo shoots for her friends and she loved it, though she never really pursued it any further than that. Shanann even worked as a nanny for a short time, so she was at least trying to keep money coming in, even with her multiple diagnosis. Shanann says that people that didn't know her very well would never know that she was sick because she always tried to just smile through it, and because most of the time people only see what they want to see, and that makes sense to me because if you weren't aware of Shanann's condition, she probably looked fine. But Chris had seemed more like an angel sent to Shanann during this time in her life. He was there for everything a good life partner is supposed to be there for. Shanann says that she even drug Chris to any kind of appointment just to test him. Appointments that she never thought that he would actually volunteer to go with her for, but he did, and he did it happily. Chris attended colonoscopies, spinal taps, you name it, and Chris was there. He would help her organize her meds in those weekly day-to-day pill dividers things were going so well that Chris eventually moved in with Shanann, and it wasn't long after that that she realized that Chris was everything that she wanted in a husband. And on November 25th in 2010, Shanann made their relationship Facebook official, Instagram official, everything official, with a picture captioned, my baby. After the two started living together, they planned a cookout for her family and friends and his family and friends to meet each other for the first time and this cookout did not go as planned whatsoever. Chris's mom, Cindy, didn't really feel comfortable around Shanann or her parents, and she couldn't understand how Shanann could afford this beautiful, massive-sized house filled with the most expensive furniture, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, at such a young age. And this may have been a bit of foreshadowing on how this relationship with her soon-to-be in-laws would be, especially since Chris's parents also didn't like the fact that the following Christmas, would be the first Christmas that Chris hadn't spent with his parents. Instead, he spent Christmas with Shanann and her parents, and I can only imagine that Chris's mom, Cindy, probably hated this too. And after Christmas, a couple that Shanann was super close with, named Jenna and Charlie, had recently moved to Colorado, and Shanann had gotten really close with the couple before they moved to Colorado. Shanann told these friends via Instagram after they had already moved to Colorado that Chris had already promised her a trip to visit with them soon. And Chris and Shanann would eventually make this trip to Colorado just like Chris had promised her. Both Gina and Charlie had both told Shanann how good the fresh air in Colorado might have been for her lupus and how much she would love it there, which is exactly how Chris and Shanann would end up visiting Colorado for the first time. And during this visit, the new couple fell completely in love with the state. They decided that this was where they wanted to start their lives together. This was also the first time that Shanann's friend Gina and Charlie had met Chris, and they were pretty surprised with how attentive he was, especially with Shanann's illnesses, and how patient he seemed to be when some things just didn't work out like they planned because she was sick. With her illnesses, Shanann could make plans one day and the next day feel so bad that she couldn't get out of bed. Chris was extremely understanding and made sure to help her be as comfortable as possible when she didn't feel good. Even though the two were supposed to be on vacation during this trip to visit Shanann's friends, Chris gladly pitched in to help Gina and Charlie replace their flooring in the home that they were living in and renovating. Chris and Shanann fell completely in love with Colorado during this trip, so much so that they immediately decided that they wanted to go ahead and plant roots there. The plan was that Chris would go to Colorado before Shanann. He would stay with Gina and Charlie while Shanann got the rest of her affairs in order back in Charlotte, North Carolina. And then later, Shanann would join him when she got everything situated on her end. And of course, Chris's mom Cindy got the news that Chris was moving to Colorado to start his life with Shanann, and she was pissed. I mean, to be fair, Colorado and Charlotte is a huge distance away from each other, so I get why she may have been upset that her baby was moving so far away, but it happens every day. Kids turn into adults, they find spouses, and sometimes they move to a new state together. But something that I was also thinking about is from North Carolina to Colorado, this had to be a pretty extreme difference in the cost of living in general. Even the engagement party that was thrown for Chris and Shanann was a complete shit show. Chris's sister Jamie was supposed to be in charge of the invitations and the food. All of the food was supposed to be gluten-free options, and as you can probably guess, none of them were gluten-free. So Shanann wasn't even able to eat anything at her own engagement party, And according to a lot of people, there were quite a few people that quote-unquote never received their invitations ever. (laughs) And Chris's sister Jamie did later admit that she mailed all the invitations out, but that she may have missed one or two people here or there. So this seems very intentional to me, but I wasn't there, so I really can't say. Shanann and Cindy got into their first of many blowouts when Cindy claimed that Shanann was taking her son away from her. Shanann was basically just like, um, he's grown, but okay. So between the engagement party and the fact that Chris's family were never going to think that Shanann was good enough for their son, and the fact that now the couple has planned to move to Colorado together, caused quite a bit of friction between Chris and his parents. Chris's sister Jamie claims that she tried to reach out before the wedding to try to help Chris and his parents mend their relationship, but that her reaching out to try to help fix things was pointless. At the beginning of April in 2012, Chris quit his job at the Ford Company and headed to Broomfield, Colorado. He moved in with their friends, Gina and Charlie, and the plan was that they would live in the couple's finished basement. And soon after his arrival to Colorado, Chris was able to get a job at the Ford dealership there in Colorado. His reputation as a master mechanic followed him all the way from North Carolina to Colorado. So that has to say something about his mechanical skills. Chris stayed with her friends for about six weeks while Shanann sold her house on Lake Wiley and while she got the rest of her things in order to be able to move. Shanann and Chris stayed in touch the entire time that he was in Colorado waiting for her to move from North Carolina to Colorado with him. And Shanann finally sold her brick mansion early in August for $349,000, which was almost $41,000 more than what she had originally paid for it, which had been her plan from the start when she had first decided to build the house. Her plan was to build it to be able to resell it later. And since she was finally able to sell her house, she could finally move to Colorado, where Chris was waiting for, so that they could start their lives together. Chris and Shanann would continue to live in Gina and Charlie's finished basement while they looked for a house of their own. And it didn't take long before Shanann got a job at the same Ford dealership where Chris had been working since he had moved to Colorado. Shanann quickly became the best sales member at the Ford dealership. Shanann was outselling everyone else at the dealership and people that worked with Shanann and Chris said that Shanann was bossy and that she dominated Chris in their relationship. Chris even handed over his check to her the minute that they were passed out at work, but they also said that Chris seemed to be happy with the way their relationship worked. Shanann and Chris naturally made friends working at the Ford dealership, and they helped one of the coworkers that they had met move into a house they had just bought in Frederick, Colorado. While the two were there helping him move, they fell in love with Frederick and decided that that's where they wanted to buy or build their own house. They were still living with Gina and Charlie in their finished basement while they looked for a house of their own. Gina and Charlie said that with Chris and Shanann living there, that it was kind of like they just all lived as one big happy family. On October 1st, Shanann posted a wedding countdown to her social media accounts. Even though Chris and Shanann weren't married yet, on October 17th, Chris signed a mortgage loan for a house in Frederick, Colorado that was still in the process of being built. It was a cute, close-knit housing development, and this is exactly where they wanted to be. A few days later, Shanann posted online that they had dedicated their wedding to the Lupus Foundation. Shanann also made it clear on her social media accounts that everyone was invited to their wedding. Well, almost Everyone. Everyone except for Chris's family was invited to their wedding. People that knew the couple said that Chris had actually agreed to his parents not being there for their wedding. Chris and Shanann had to go back to Charlotte that Halloween in 2012, and the next day they got their marriage license in Mecklenburg, North Carolina. It was on November 3rd of 2012 when Shanann and Chris got married, and at their wedding they shared a Pittsburgh Steelers-themed cake with their wedding guest. Chris's parents weren't just not invited to the wedding, but they also didn't attend the wedding either. The only person from Chris's entire family that was at his wedding was his grandma. Their wedding was exactly what Shanann had dreamed of, especially when Chris went so far as to try to perform one of the Channing Tatum's Magic Mike dances for Shanann at their wedding. Friends said that Chris was awkward and completely out of his comfort zone trying to do this, but that he did it for Shanann and that he knew that she would just love it. They also said that Chris basically worshipped the ground that Shanann walked on. The two took a short honeymoon to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, which is super close to where I live now, and I'm just gonna say it, Myrtle Beach is not a honeymoon destination, but to each their own, that's what they chose. The newly married couple would continue to live with Gina and Charlie once they got back to Colorado after their wedding and honeymoon, and they were basically just living there while they waited on their massive five-bedroom house to finish being built in Frederick, Colorado. And in the winter, after the wedding, Shanann started tracking her menstrual cycle and trying fertility treatments. Chris and Shanann were officially trying to get pregnant. And these fertility treatments were bound to be expensive treatments. I mean, have you ever heard of a cheap fertility treatment? Because I haven't. But it worked, and to their surprise, Shanann was able to get pregnant with the help of fertility treatments in early 2013. And finally, at the end of April 2013, Chris and Shanann moved into their dream house that they had been waiting to get finished. The monthly mortgage payment on this humongous house was $2,800 a month, which makes me believe that Shanann and Chris had to be bringing in a pretty decent penny working at the Ford dealership to be able to pay that high of a monthly mortgage. The couple moved into their dream home in April, and it was about a month after they moved in that Shanann got to spoil Chris for his 28th birthday and she did spoil him for this birthday. For his 28th birthday, Shanann bought Chris some kind of charger part for his old Mustang that he had, and he had been talking about needing this part since before he and Shanann ever started dating. This part was outrageously expensive, but they were newlyweds and they were in love, so I guess it was worth it. Shanann stayed late at the Ford dealer company that night to wrap the gift for him and to be able to have it set up at his workstation with his toolbox the next morning when he came in for work. And I don't know if I'd be spending that much money on a part for a car that he wasn't able to drive with a baby on the way, but that's just me. And around July, when Shanann was about three months pregnant, she got a new job at the children's hospital working in the call center department pulling night shifts. Gina was the friend that the couple had lived with, and she was actually the one that helped Shanann get the job at the hospital. And it was a decent job paying $18 an hour. Chris stayed working at the Ford dealership since he was a gearhead and he loved being able to work on cars in order to pay his bills. On Shanann's social media account, she posted pictures of her holding tiny dresses, and on July 9th, she posted a picture captioned, Bella Marie Watts coming this Christmas, 2013. And surprisingly, Chris called his parents to tell him that they were going to be grandparents. Even though they had been going down a rocky path since the engagement party, Chris talked to his parents during this call like nothing had happened and almost like he hadn't completely booted them out of his life for the last two years. Chris's mom Cindy said that this is when she decided to throw up her white surrender flag and that she was done saying anything else about Shanann because basically she decided to shut up and be able to be a part of Chris's life instead of speaking her mind and having him shut her out again because it was obvious that Chris would choose Shanann over his parents if given the ultimatum. He had done it once and I'm sure he would do it again. Shanann posted pictures of belly bump after belly bump on her social media accounts. And some of Shanann's friends says that she started shopping for baby clothes years before she ever actually got pregnant. So, needless to say, they weren't shocked when they saw Shanann post a picture on her social media of an unborn baby Bella's closet that was already stocked with everything a baby could ever need or want. But with the purchases of designer cribs, embroidered blankets, and personalized everything, This is where Chris and Shanann's credit card debt started. They spent and spent and spent, almost as if they weren't going to have to pay the money back. The two lived well beyond their means, and Chris didn't say a word. Shanann was the one that was primarily in charge of their finances and bills. And it was on the same date of their first wedding anniversary that they held the baby shower for Unborn Bella. It was on December 17, 2013, that the couple welcomed Bella Marie Watts to the world, and she was perfect, and Shanann wanted to make sure that everybody else knew it, too. She flooded every one of her friends' timelines with the sweetest baby pictures. And almost immediately after the birth of Bella, Shanann posted online that they were already planning for a baby brother or sister for Bella. And as a mom of two kids that are only 12 months apart, I'm just thinking, girl, give baby number one time to turn you into a zombie before we get crazy. Again, that's just me. Chris's parents, Cindy and Ronnie, flew to Colorado in January of 2014 to meet their granddaughter, Bella. This visit was the first time that they had actually seen Chris since the engagement party, and Chris's parents claimed that they had to walk on eggshells the entire time that they visited with their son and granddaughter. They noticed things like how Shanann expected Chris to clean a certain room or area before he tried to do anything else. Cindy and Ronnie also said that they noticed that everything in the house was labeled and everything had a very particular place. If it was moved from that place, you were supposed to put it back. And it seemed like a lot of people probably did think that Shanann and Chris's relationship was perfect, especially on social media. And so many people thought that they were perfect together because Chris played the submissive husband and Shanann played the dominant wife and it seemed to work for them. Cindy and Ronnie said that both Shanann and Chris seemed happy, and even though their relationship dynamic wasn't fit for everybody, it seemed to work for them. The couple was perfectly in tune with how their roles worked in their house. But I have to believe that Chris probably started to slowly resent Shanann for the way their relationship dynamic actually was. But if he had started to resent her, he did it in silence. From the first time that Cindy and Ronnie visited Colorado after Bella was born, They started doing a -a twice-a-year visit to see their granddaughter and their son. Shanann flooded social media with pictures of Bella and their seemingly perfect marriage, and Cindy says that she did try to like Shanann, and that she did try to love her like a daughter-in-law. Chris later said in an interview that his parents never really cared for Shanann, though, that his parents felt like Shanann took him from them when the couple decided to move to Colorado. Cindy says that as hard as she tried to like and get along with Shanann, that it felt like Shanann could always find something wrong with them. And since Shanann isn't able to tell her side of this, we only have one side of the truth. In May 2014, Chris left the Ford dealership and he got a job as an oil field contractor. And even though Chris loved working on cars, Shanann insisted that he take the job at the oil field because it paid more money. And the couple had accumulated a lot more debt with the birth of baby Bella. Sometime in July, Shanann's brother Frankie came to visit with his sister to meet his niece for the first time. He had already planned on staying and visiting with his sister for a while, but he eventually started thinking about moving to Colorado himself, which makes me wonder, is it that great? Anyways, Frankie was a big help during his stay. He watched Bella while Chris and Shanann both worked, and he naturally adored his squishy new niece and loved spending as much time with her as he could. Frankie says that he also noticed how unusual he thought the dynamic of Chris and Shanann's relationship was while he was there. So there's more than just Chris's parents saying this, Frankie is Shanann's brother. And he's also saying that Chris is basically just a yes man. Whatever Shanann asked, he said yes. Whatever Shanann needed, he said yes. And unfortunately, Frankie didn't have much luck finding a job while he was in Colorado, so he headed back to Charlotte after a while. At the end of 2014 and just a few days before Christmas that year, Chris and Shanann would add another $588 payment every month to their bills when the couple financed a Ford Explorer. And right off the top of my head between their mortgage, along with regular utility bills and a brand new baby, adding a almost $600 car payment, means that they're either making hella money or they're drowning in debt. And even if you suck at math like I do, you can still put two and two together and figure that they were probably drowning in debt. And it was in 2015 that this debt would finally start catching up with the Joneses. Oh, I mean the Watts. It seemed like they were going to have more debt soon when Shanann posted on her social media on January 10th, 2015. When she turned 31, she also made it Facebook official that she was 12 weeks pregnant with the couple's second child. And it was around this same time that Chris got a job at a different oil field type of company as an operator in the Anadarko area. This job didn't pay by the hour, and Chris would be on a salary pay. His estimated salary was said to be around $61,500 a year. And I'm not sure what kind of job lets a man be home by about 3 o'clock, but Chris seemed to have found it. He was able to be home with his family a lot for a full-time working dad, which seemed to be exactly what his family needed and not long after the job switch, Chris and Shanann found out that their second baby would also be a girl. Sandra later told Dr. Phil that she and Frank had moved in with Chris and Shanann to help her through her second pregnancy. They would also stay and live with the couple after the second baby, who they decided to name Celeste Catherine Watts. Sandra and Frank lived with Chris and Shanann for about 15 months, according to Shanann's mom, Sandra. Chris later said that it was pretty stressful living with his in-laws and the two dogs that they brought with them but they managed. Chris said that Shanann and her parents would argue a lot up until Sandra got a job in a hair salon and Frank found a job in the construction field. So this helped cut back on the arguments between Shanann and her parents because she worked nights and her parents weren't home all day with her when she wasn't working. In early June, the couple would file for bankruptcy, which would come as a shock to Chris, especially since Shanann handled their finances for the household. Documents showed that they had over $70,000 in mostly credit card debt, among other debts like school loans, medical bills, and unnecessary spending. The couple had accumulated approximately $450,000 in total debt, and it was said that they had less than $10 in their checking account and about $800 in their savings account when they filed for bankruptcy. Later, the courts would decide to forgive most of the couple's debt if they both took some kind of financial online classes, which they both passed. On a better and brighter note, though, the couple welcomed their second daughter, Celeste, Catherine Watts, who they called C.C. on July 17, 2015, and Cece was born less than a month after the couple had filed for bankruptcy. I don't think very people knew that the couple had filed for bankruptcy, and it seemed to come as a shock to them later, basically, when the entire world found out together. Shanann and Chris had a $20,000 life insurance policy out on each of the girls, which, most responsible adults do, something I've never been able to talk myself into doing. I know I should, but I just can't imagine something happening to my kids. Either way, after Cece was born, she was diagnosed with a disease that I'm not even going to try to pronounce, but it's abbreviated as EOE. It's described as an allergic swallowing disease, and it caused Cece to be pretty sickly even as a baby and up until the toddler age. She was on steroids for the first year of her life to help her breathe due to her condition. It was early in 2016 when Shanann signed up for a direct sales rep job with a company called Lavelle. Lavelle was the company that produced the Thrive patch. And this is when Shanann would finally find her financial freedom and gain a group of friends that she would soon become extremely close with. Before Thrive, Shanann was working 60 plus hours a week, she was broke, and there were videos of Shanann herself saying that she was going through a hard time when she signed up. But as it would turn out, Shanann would be amazing in the direct sales field, just like she had been as a salesperson for the Ford dealership. And she ended up making a pretty good penny just doing direct sales. Chris also started taking the supplement shakes and patches that Shanann sold. And he tried them with Shanann for the first time on the day that she first tried hers. Once she signed up and had gotten her own supplements to try, it only took her about five days to get over $800 in Thrive Supplement sales. She signed two new people up under her during this five-day period also. So she was killing it within the first week. And once Shanann started selling Thrive, her entire life was recorded or live-streamed or uploaded in a video online. And this was a way for her to reach more potential people that would want to sign up under her. She recorded everything, and I do mean literally everything. But this was a sales tactic used by these kind of pyramid scheme companies You post a video saying how much better you feel or how much energy you have, and you just kind of hope that this makes people want to try it too. And don't come for me because I called it a pyramid scheme. I've signed up for two different companies like this in the past, and that's exactly what they are. The way these companies work are by getting different people to sign up under you to sell the same things. The more people that sign up under you, the more you make for being the one that got them to join similar to getting a commission off of not only your own sales, but a small percentage of the people that signed up under you sales as well. And when I was signed up with these companies, I was constantly on my phone replying to emails, texts, or social media messages related to the products. I could spend all day talking to 30 different people, and not one of them would actually buy anything. But I would think you would have to have a certain kind of gift to be able to make money doing this as a full-time job, to actually pay your bills, and apparently Shanann had it. Whatever it is that you need, she had it. And she would level up almost as soon as she started her Thrive business getting something that they called a VIP 800 award. She soon started recruiting her friends and family to sign up under her and getting them to join her in her Thrive journey. It would only take Shanann another week to earn the next award that they called the VIP 1600 award. So like I said, she was literally killing it with the sales of Thrive. She started sharing her experiences about Thrive and what it had helped or changed in her life to her social media accounts via videos and live streams. She swore that she stopped taking her lupus medicine all because of Thrive. She was even able to get her mom to sign up on Thrive. I found a picture of Shanann and her mom Sandra with their Thrive patches on and the caption said something along the lines of Thriving with Mama. So no wonder people were buying Thrive from her. Just in the time that I researched this case, Shanann had me convinced that I needed to buy Thrive, especially after I read somewhere that Shanann bragged about having multiple loads of laundry done and making pancakes all before 7 a.m. I was like, yeah, girl, let me get that. In her fourth week of sales, though, she had grown to the 4k VIP award status and had already made over a thousand dollars and had already gotten a free iPod. Shanann reached out to everyone. She was reaching out to people that she went to school with. She loved the product that she took, which made it easier for her to sell. Shanann signed her husband, Chris, up under her, and she basically told him to kind of push it on his co-workers to at least get them to try it. This wasn't exactly for Chris, which, same. I feel like it takes a certain kind of person to be successful in a business like this one. And Shanann took it upon herself to type up posts about Thrive on Chris's social media accounts for him. And she was even selling Thrive through Chris's own social media accounts also. It wouldn't take long to get herself to the VIP 12K spot, which was a part of a VIP Auto Club perk. This award earned her an allowance of $800 to use to make a payment on a new car every month. And of course, she picked a beautiful white Lexus and was somehow able to talk Chris into trading in his old Mustang. thats the same Mustang that he had had since before they started dating. Chris's dad, Ronnie, said that Chris loved that car and he couldn't believe that he'd even traded it in the first place. I'm guessing that they decided to trade it to help with the down payment on the Lexus, but I'm not positive about that. Through her work with the Thrive Company, Shanann made a slew of new friends, and they were all getting extremely close. Shanann posted about Thrive, and even posted about some of her personal triumphs that she was able to overcome, which she accredited to the Thrive products. Shanann's mom, Sandra, brought a friend of hers named Nicole Atkinson from the hair salon that she worked at with her to Cece's birthday party on July seventeenth, in two thousand and sixteen. This is how Shanann would meet one of her closest friends and one of her most profitable understudies. Once Shanann told Nicole about how amazing Thrive was and how much it had helped her, Nicole was like, let me get that. (laughs) Nicole and Shanann wouldn't just be thriving together, though. As co-workers, they would actually grow to be really close friends. And Nicole plays a big part in this case once Shanann and the girls go, quote-unquote, missing. And on that note, it is time for me to pick my Hellions up from school. So this will have to be the end of part one. So let's do it again. Same time, same place, next Wednesday. See you then. That's how my mama murdered a podcast.